In English, if I say something to you, it's difficult to tell if I'm saying it to one or to a group because we say it the same way. What does this have to do with how we read the Bible? Well, let's find out together on today's episode of All Things Apostolic. So today, I want to do a brief lesson related to Hebrew and Greek, a little bit of Greek. Let me explain it in English first. If I'm talking to a single student or to a whole class of students and I say, you're doing great, I would say it in the same way to the individual or to the group. Because in English, we don't differentiate between a singular you directed toward one person and a plural you directed to more than one person. Now, of course, if you're from the South, they do distinguish by saying y'all for the plural, but in other parts of the country and in written English, it can be difficult to tell who is being addressed because the same word is used for one person or for more than one person. But Hebrew is different. In Hebrew, there are different forms of the pronoun you depending on the number and also even the gender. There is a form for one male, which we call masculine singular, one female, which we call feminine singular, multiple males, masculine plural, and multiple females, feminine plural. And if a group is mixed with both men and women, then the masculine plural form is used. Now, since these words are translated as you in the Bible, Sometimes the meaning of you can be lost in our English translation. And why does this matter? Well, when God talks to you in the Bible, it is helpful for us to discern who he's addressing by the Hebrew form that's used. Let's start by just looking at a really simple example. Recently, we've studied Genesis chapter 3. After Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and they hid from God, the Bible says that God called to Adam and asked him, where are you? Now, the form that God used was a masculine singular, meaning it was directed to one male, which we would expect because God asked the question directly to Adam. After Adam admitted that he was afraid and he hid himself because he was naked, God asked, who told you that you were naked? Now, this could be interpreted several ways. For example, who told you, singular, that you all, meaning he and Eve, you both were naked? Or who told you both, you plural, that you both were naked? But Hebrew lets us know that God was still directing his question only to Adam because he used a masculine singular form. Who told you, singular, that you, singular, were naked. This is just a really simple example, but it can impact our understanding of the text. So another example, and one with bigger implications, is the Ten Commandments. Now the Ten Commandments are also known as the Decalogue, and they're listed in Exodus chapter 20. At this point in Israel's history, they have been delivered out of slavery in Egypt, they've crossed the Red Sea, and they have come to Mount Sinai, where God will form them from a group of slaves into a nation. This is a pivotal moment in their history. 
In Exodus 19.4, God told Moses to tell the people of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and an holy nation. Now notice every place that it says you, or in this case, ye. All of them are masculine plural, as we would expect, because God was talking to everyone in the nation. Now in chapter 20, God again addresses the entire nation of Israel. Chapter 20 begins with God saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now I just want to share on a side note, and it's so hard. I Sometimes I get distracted on little rabbit trails or side notes, but there's so much rich material here. It's interesting to, to note that God reminds Israel of what he has done for them. And this is a pattern scripture, so I just want to touch on this point while we're here, in which when God does something for us first, and he, he tells us first, and he does that before he's going to ask or tell for something to be done. So in essence, he reminds the person of what he did first, because then he expects the response to be for someone to obey what he's asking out of a heart of gratitude. So we see this principle here in which he is reminding Israel what he's done for them by bringing them out of bondage in Egypt. And this precedes the list of the Ten Commandments. So let's take a look at them. The Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 verses 3 through 17 are, and I've just listed them in an abbreviated version, um, to make it easier, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So are these commands written in a singular or a plural form? Well, we would expect them to be plural since God was addressing everyone in the nation of Israel, just as he did back in Exodus 19. However, they're written in the singular form. His commands were spoken to each individual. And this emphasizes the personal and ethical character of them. The Ten Commandments are more of a system of personal ethics than corporate law. These are principles for how each of us should conduct ourselves. There's a timeless morality to the Ten Commandments that remains relevant for all of us today such as exclusively giving our worship to God, honoring our parents, respecting the Sabbath day, respecting life, and respecting the institution of marriage and the personal property of others. Thinking of the Ten Commandments in a personal way and not in a corporate way is also important for rightly understanding them. For example, I'll mention the idea of thou shalt not kill. 
Now, some people believe that this means that capital punishment is unbiblical. I teach a contemporary social ethics course at Wilson University, and we discuss this topic of capital punishment in more depth. But in short, the Ten Commandments cannot be used as an argument against capital punishment. God directed his words to each individual. It is not a corporate law, so it is not appropriate to apply it to corporate entities such as the government. The government has been given the authority to implement capital punishment when it's warranted by the circumstances. So this is a good example of how differentiating between the singular and the plural can help us understand and interpret the Bible more accurately. So the Ten Commandments can be thought of as something that each of us individually commits to doing. It is singular. It's personal. Have you heard the old saying, God has no grandchildren? It basically means that individuals in every generation have to make their personal commitment to God. And I hope that when you read the Ten Commandments in the future, that you'll remember that they were written to you. And also, remember when Jesus condensed the Ten Commandments into two uh, shorter versions in Matthew chapter 22? This was a conversation recorded in Greek in the New Testament, and the Greek also differentiates between singular and plural. In this scene, Jesus was talk talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and one of them, who was a lawyer, asked him, what is the great commandment in the law? Jesus condensed the principles of the Ten Commandments into two of the greatest commandments. And he said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. When Jesus answered the man, Jesus used the singular form of you, just like in the Hebrew. Now, some of you may already know this next part, but for some of you, this might be new information, and I hope it's helpful for you. But the King James Version does give us some help in this area of singular and plural pronouns that other English translations don't provide. So the King James Version refers to singular pronouns, one person, with words like thou, thee, and thine. Plural pronouns referring to multiple people are you and ye. So a simple way to remember this is that pronouns that begin with T are always singular, and pronouns that begin with Y are always plural. So the Elizabethan English of the King James Bible utilizes a system of pronouns that better reflects the precision of the original Hebrew and Greek than other translations do. Let's look at a couple more examples in detail. So in Exodus 4.15, God said to Moses, And thou, singular, shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy, singular, mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you, plural, what ye, plural, shall do. 
From the Hebrew pronouns and how they're reflected in the King James Version, we can see that God told Moses that Moses was to speak to Aaron, and then God would teach both of them what they were to do. John 3, 7 is a great example from the New Testament. In talking with Nicodemus, Jesus said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, singular, ye, plural, must be born again. Notice that Jesus is saying to one person, Nicodemus, that ye, meaning all people, must be born again. Jesus's message is clear. But if someone reads a modern translation in English that obscures the precise pronouns, they might not realize that it applies to everyone. And that can have a negative effect on one's understanding of doctrine. Thankfully, the King James Version maintains some grammatical precision that can help us to differentiate between singular and plural uh, pronouns when we're reading. So even if you don't know the original Hebrew and Greek languages, you can still differentiate between singular and plural pronouns. And this is important for accuracy to ensure that you're grasping the text correctly. I hope today you enjoyed this brief study of you and God bless you, plural, all of you. Take care.